You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. You like that? You like that? All right, Mackie and Judd. James Murphy producing. And he has three questions of significant importance. Inter Max on the keyboards over there and on the phones. Well, we can open up phone lines the whole hour, too, by the way. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Hello, Murph. Hi. I don't know if you guys caught this, but uh, Jalen Ramsey, he gave an interview to GQ Magazine where he uh, ripped Super Bowl winning quarterbacks like Big Ben and Eli Manning while also praising underrated quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota and Kirk Cousins. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll take Big Ben over Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. He also ripped Matt Ryan yep. and praised his guy Blake Bortles. You know, Matt Ryan might be a little overrated, but I think I'd rather have him than Blake Bortles. So I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's... It's possible when you're just around Blake Bortles all the time, your judgment, you've got quarterback beer goggles, you don't know what you're looking at, and you're just random with your assessments. Anyways, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no problem. Um, so what I want you you guys to do is give me, or I want you to praise one quarterback that you think is underrated from how he's nationally perceived and rip one overrated quarterback. Ooh. I will. I will start by praising a guy that um, that Jalen Ramsey bashed, and I don't get why because I think he's pretty damn good, and, and I would take him. Matt Ryan. I think this. I think there's this whole perception of, of him, like you know, well Shanahan, as Ramsey said, Shanahan made him, and he's really not that good. And I think he's pretty damn good. And is he a top three quarterback? No, probably not. But. If you told me that, that he had to be my quarterback for a season, I'd absolutely be pleased about it. So I think Matt Ryan takes far too much heat, and when, when you get a chance to watch him consistently, he's good. Um, let's see who, who did Jalen Ram- who did Jalen Ramsey praise that I that surprised me because I was going to say Jared. I mean, Goff, Dak Prescott was on his list, but Dak Prescott and he said he's okay. He's okay. Um, I'll, go go I'll, for I'll, I'll give you two. Go with yours, and then I'll, I'll give you one guy. I'll give you the one, the guy that I think is still underrated, despite him putting up big fantasy numbers at times. His organization around him has been just disastrous. I think Matt Stafford is underrated. I agree, and I and I I think there are some guys. Blake Bortles was one of these guys a couple of years ago. I think there are some guys who put up fantasy numbers, and and then that's kind of it. Like ah. Oh, 4,500 yards, he must be awesome, right? And in some cases, that's true. I don't think it's true in Matt Stafford's case. He's cut down on the interceptions. Um, He leads fourth-quarter comebacks. He comes from behind. Those are qualities that even guys like Aaron Rodgers has trouble sometimes coming from behind. And I think Aaron Rodgers might be the greatest who's ever held a football before. So I think Matt Stafford, if he were with a better organization and had... Just better ownership and front office and defense and different things around him. 
put it this way. Calvin Johnson, in the middle of his prime, was so sick of the Lions organization and the city and everything, he quit football. He stopped playing football. He said, you know, concussions and things like that, but... Come on, you think if he was playing for the Patriots organization, he would have quit football at age 29? Yeah. Yeah. Barry Sanders, same thing back right. in the day. Exactly. I'm going to peace out here. Exactly. Thanks a lot for the time. <laughs> on, uh, on quarterbacks who are overrated, I would say initial steam on Jared Goff because of his big year last year, a little aggressive. It felt, it felt like a system propping him up. But the one that I'm going to target is actually the one that Judd put on his other list. I like Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan is not an MVP caliber quarterback, even though he won one two years ago in that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. He's not on that level. But I think two years ago, because he put up such a huge season and had a 110 passer rating or whatever it was, I think we kind of crowned Matt Ryan in that top group of quarterbacks for a minute. And um, I agree with Jalen Ramsey in that, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius, and and he took a really good quarterback and elevated him, just like he's doing with Jimmy Garoppolo over the past year or so. I, so I think Matt Ryan might be a little overrated. I think Ryan gets bashed too much, though. Like, I think he's a good quarterback, and I would take him in a second for my team. Uh, the guy I will give you that I think uh, we've gone back and forth on a bit and and that I wouldn't be surprised if he turned out to be not as good as we initially thought, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott had the great rookie year. Romo lost the job. The offensive line was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, it regressed last year. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, no. but I think we might. I think we might have got slightly too excited when you put a healthy offense and especially a line like that, and give that to a quarterback who's got some skill. He's going to be great. But now that he has to make things up a little bit more on the fly, probably, and the health of that line probably won't be the same. I think Dak Prescott might be a guy who we. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I am saying that there might be there might continue to be a step back from what we initially thought of his skills. We talked earlier and pretty much the whole day about Ronald Acuna Jr. getting getting plunked to lead off the game by Marlins pitcher Jose Urena. Uh, Judd wants him to get a significant suspension, but if you're Rob Manfred, how can you get this old world view of baseball from those from the Keith Hernandez of the world out of the game? What can you do to to make that a thing of the past where you're not trying to hit players for being hot? Well, I think ultimately, if you could find a way to do this, you and it's hard because you'd have to determine intention. It's kind of like hockey. If you want to change a culture, you have to punish and make it so that if you do this, there are ramifications. And so if you throw at a hitter like that, and, a, and it's a young star player who's on fire and he's got eight home runs in his last eight games. He's about to set a major league record if he goes deep in his first at bat. Six straight games going deep. We want we want that on display as baseball fans. And if you put an end to that because you're childish and you're insecure, that's not baseball strategy. At least it shouldn't be part of it. There's other ways to go about making him uncomfortable or getting him out. But how do you do you how do you draw that up in like a rule book or something? Hey, if you hit. A young player on purpose who's red hot and you know blah, 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 and exciting. It, though, but you, you do. know it when you see it, and you I'd do. come down on him. But he should be suspended for like three weeks or something. If you really wanted to make an impression and say, no, uh-uh. We're all about excitement, and we're all about young players thriving, and we're all about expressing yourself on the baseball field. Yep. You have to make the parameters more friendly. And, and hockey's kind of the same way. Well, we got to get rid of these dirty hits. Well, then why is that guy only They've suspended taken, for two games? Baseball's taken on 
some of the exact same things, too. Mm-hmm. Some of the exact same things, which is this is our philosophy from 1978, and a lot of people can't be like, well, yeah, but it's wrong now. Mm-hmm. And then you get, and then you get the people that say, when did you change? It's like, I changed because I evolved. It's okay to change, by the way. Yeah. I love but, that. I mean, well, didn't you say this before? May, maybe. Like, in, I don't, yeah, probably. In 1978, <laughs> I thought complete games were awesome. <laughs> and I never said yeah. Jack Morris should be taken out in, in the fifth. Play play the Keith soundbite again. The Hernandez soundbite, though, to me, is where this becomes inexcusable. They're killing you. You've lost three games. Right. He's hit three home runs. you got to hit him. I'm sorry. I mean, I, people are not going to like that. You know, if you you got him, you got to hit him, knock him down. At least, I mean, seriously, knock him down if you don't hit him. And you never throw at the, anybody's head. You never throw at anybody's head or neck. You you hit him in the back. You hit him in the fanny. If I am the commissioner's office, I make a call to the Mets today, and I say, gentlemen, here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. In December, before Christmas, we are going to have a a baseball seminar and we're going to bring all of these we're going to bring bert has to be there if you're if, if you broadcast you got to go bert's got to go jack morris has to go keith hernandez has has to go and we're going to explain how the game works now i'm tired i'm so tired and and as i told you Murph, before i grew up watching these guys i mean these were my guys so i'm i'm a fan but I'm so tired of them having no idea where the sport is going. And most importantly, to backtrack to my point from before, what's going to make it ultimately successful with the people that we need, which are young people. Mm. A baseball sensitivity seminar. <laughs> Honest to God. Yesterday's third question I thought was a lot of fun. But at the same time, I don't like promising things and not delivering. So let's uh, let's pay that off. Wow. No. Humans compete. We like rankings. <laughs> Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. And no, you're not going to rank twins from 2011. I'm not going to make you do that. But what I do want you to rank is your top three favorites to win this year's World Series. Oh, let's do that when we come back. Very nice. A little expanded baseball talk on Mackie and Judd. Murph with some good questions for us. TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. All right, James, fire that third question away again here. Dive into the, the baseball crystal ball. Yeah, so my, my third question was, I want your top three favorites to win this year's World Series. Okay. And so... I got, I got four. You have four. I mean, there, you could probably say that there's more teams that are capable of winning right. the World Series, but... The Dodgers make me a little bit nervous. Um, they've like with the Dozier thing here; their bullpen's kind of a disaster. He played so, last night, though. Okay, that's but it, Do- that's that's Dozier's good. Back Hopefully, that's not going to so, be a long term yeah, thing. Might not hold him up. But I don't know. There's something about the Dodgers that, that, that they'd probably be ranked fifth on my list. The Yankees. I almost feel like the Yankees pitching isn't as strong as it was last year. It's not. Their Tanaka's been up and down. Severino's mm-hmm. been been pretty good, but yeah. they've gotten nothing from Sonny Gray. They took Sonny Gray out of the rotation. The bullpen's been more inconsistent, too, though, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that lights-out bullpen is no longer as lights-out as it was last mm-hmm. year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Go. Number four. Number four, the Chicago Cubs. People sleep on the Chicago Cubs because they weren't as good last year. They didn't make it as far. Uh, they're not a dominant powerhouse, and they're starting pitching. Like John Lester's a little older, and... 
they don't have dominant starting pitching like maybe they did a couple years ago, but they've got three or four reliable bullpen pieces. Javier Baez has emerged finally as this player who can carry a team. He's one of the just most fun and special players to watch in all of baseball. And I think the Chicago Cubs might sneak up on people. And it's just a tough environment to play inside Wrigley Field when everybody's all aboard. One, two. Number three. This team would have been probably number one even two months ago. Judd and I were talking about this during the break, though. The Houston Astros have so many injuries. El Tuve's on the disabled list. McCullers, they've got all kinds of things. If they can get everyone back on board, but with that division... There's no guarantees that they win the division. They might get stuck now if Oakland keeps surging. Oakland's right there behind them, and Seattle's not going away. They might get stuck in a bad situation with their playoff draw. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Astros a little bit further behind because if they don't win the division, the odds of them winning the World Series are much lower. Number two. Number two, and this is where I think the Astros are better than this team, but this team's gonna win their division and therefore they have a better chance. And they might be set up to go deeper just because of the way their roster is constructed. Cleveland, with their three dominant starting pitchers, with two of the best position player hitters in baseball, they're just so top heavy. And if they can get anything for Brad Hand out of the back end of the bullpen, they might have a chance to win the World Series. Number one. Did you guys know that JD Martinez already has a hundred four RBIs in August sixteenth? Right now, ridiculous season. <laughs> he had a he's had a ridiculous year. The Red Sox are like fifty games over five hundred, and their entire lineup has double digit home runs, basically, except for Sandy Leone. They are plus two hundred and eleven in run differential. That's really good. Plus two hundred and eleven. Houston's plus two hundred two. Yeah. Oh, and they have Chris Sale with a 1.97 ERA and strikes out everybody. And David Price is back to being the David Price of old. And Craig Kimbrell is actually it's funny. Craig Kimbrell's having a down season by Craig Kimbrell standards. Yeah, he still, he still has a two and a half ERA and yeah. 36 saves and strikes out 14 batters per nine. So I think I think Irv Santana would say Boston's only 50 games above 500. Yeah. Exactly. Here's here's the difference between the absolute dominance of a select few American League teams and the National League. Run differential. Boston plus 211. The Yankees plus 135. Mm-hmm. Cleveland is plus 131 and Houston is plus 202. Nobody in the National League is even at plus 100. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves are plus 97 and that leads the National League. I'm kind of rooting for the Phillies right now too. It's such a fun story, and there's team there's teams like I the them Phillies. Last night. Yeah, I did too. They beat Boston last night. Humble brag. I watched them on the treadmill. <sighs> oh, right. I watched them on my couch with the beer. <laughs> no, I was do- nowhere near a treadmill. I was just standing on a dormant treadmill with a beer in my hand. I they was, just had to have a TV. I on. was cheering on Wilson R- Ramos, saying, "Run, Triple, Wilson, yeah. run! You're just <laughs> back from a torn hamstring, basically." I love how for him to get a sliding bang bang triple, the ball has to ricochet like 50 feet away from an outfielder. And Sutcliffe was still like, "Don't do that." Don't be running that hard. You just got back. Catcher triples. Fat catcher triples. I'll give you three teams. One, two. Number three. Uh, My third one is the Cubs. The Cubs are, I feel like because they were so dominant two years ago, and and I guess they were somewhat of a disappointment, although not a huge one last year, the people have just sort of forgotten about the Cubs. The Cubs are still very, very good. So they're my third team. Number two. If Houston gets healthy, they're my second team. I mean, they're still really, really good, um, and they, they were so dominant like the Cubs were now a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, but they're my number two, and then number one is your number, number one. one. The Boston Red Sox are phenomenal. And by and by the way, congratulations, too. 
The move from John Farrell struck me sort of old school baseball guy. Yeah, let's go out there and win some bait to Alex Cora, who's fantastic, who seems like a really good guy and he mm-hmm. really gets it. Cora to me strikes me as sort of a Steve Kerr type of coach. Like he he identifies with players mm-hmm. and he does it on in a way that's very effective. And I think he's really really smart. Uh, that was a great move. So Boston is my number one. Yeah. In that situation now, when you're a manager, now there's just so much more to process and communicate. It just takes someone, probably with a baseball, a major league background, which Alex Cora has, and not that I mean, John Farrell was a he pitched in the major leagues too, right? I'm yeah, but, but I mean, it's still a a long time ago. Yes, and be able to decipher information, communicate yes. it. If you look around, I brought up the Phillies, um, the Braves, I guess would be in this category too. Good news for the Twins if you're. Worried about, man, maybe this is us being dormant again for a couple of years. I feel like in baseball, the last decade or so, teams just pop up. It's like yeah, they do. you slow cook your minor leaguers, and all of a sudden, two or three of them pop at once. It happened with the Orioles about six years ago. It's happening right now with the Phillies and the Braves. And then the Phillies went out, and they've added pieces to to make a run at this thing. It happened with the A's this season. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's good news for the Twins that look around the league. You don't have to go... Slow cook for a couple of years. Well, I mean, the Twins set a record for largest wind jump from so two no years ago to last man. year. If Snow and Buxton show up next spring and, and are productive, the entire narrative of that franchise has changed. Can I give you guys the run differential for the American League Central, though? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, this makes me want to vomit right here. Oh I won't, God. but it makes me want to. Cleveland is plus 131, so they're fantastic. The Twins, minus 28. Okay, it's not good, but a handful of okay. games below five hundred. Okay. about where they're supposed to okay, be. Okay, cool. Yeah. Detroit minus ninety eight. Oh. Wait, wait, wait! Now, now it gets fun. Detroit minus ninety eight. The Chicago White Sox, who are forty four and seventy six, minus one fifty eight. Wow. The Kansas City Royals, who are thirty six and eighty four and thirty three games out of first place, are minus two sixteen. Oh my God! Even the Baltimore Orioles, who are thirty six and eighty five and forty nine and a half games out in the American League East, are minus one eighty four. So is my is my Buffalo High School math right? If you've played one hundred twenty ish games or one hundred fifteen games and you've been outscored by two hundred twenty runs, <laughs> you you average being outscored by like a run and a half per game every game. Yeah, yeah. Or, or two run, two, yeah, run and a half it, or somewhere in there. Yeah, but minus two sixteen. <laughs> Every game you're expected to lose by. That's runner, that's insane. A, a run or two. But you know what? They got a World Series within the past ten years. It's worth it for them, right? Yes. That they were so yeah. bad for so long, and everything. Got two World Series. What what happened with the Royals? And they were fortunate that that all of these guys came up along the same clock, mm-hmm. and they all were really good at the same time. And it burned bright for like three years, and then it fizzled out. And you can only hope that all your prospects sort of flash at the same time. I think the hope for the Twins was, you know, you could catch the back end of Brian Dozier's prime with the back end of Joe Maurer's prime and pair it up with the Rosario Buxton Sano group. And that group collectively would go on to do big things for like three years. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. Obviously, because you've already traded Dozier. If you're Kansas City, you know what? It worked. Mm -hmm. You were awful for a long time. You got draft picks. You did really well with them. You popped up. You went to two World Series. You won one. You're mm-hmm. happy. And for a long time, and maybe even now again, Dayton Moore was looked at as sort of a laughing stock GM. It took him so long. It took him six or seven years to build that thing up. And now they're dismantling it again. And it's people are looking at it saying, I mean, did, if did I'm you, Dayton Moore, I'm, cash I'm piecing on? out right now, though. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Go to another team at least. Yeah. But what? But they, they chose to try and be competitive the last couple of years, and they really didn't 
sell off all their pieces. They did trade Mike Moustakis, but Mike Moustakis didn't fetch them a whole lot in return. So they're kind of back to the drawing board. I got a feeling the Royals are going to be really bad in this division for five or ten years. That's been the way they operate, right? Even in the yes. 80s, they popped yeah. up for a few years. George Brett and then well, Dormant. They, they were really good when, when I started following baseball, they, they were dominant, and it was a great baseball town, and they won the World Series in 85. Yeah, And they were pretty good for an extended period. But if you recall, starting around 2000, they went in the crapper. And then they had, Tony Pena had like one like surprising competitive year, and, and we're all like, oh man, it's the Royals. When, it's, it's Royals baseball again. When Angel Barroa was the shortstop yes. of the future, he won the Rookie of the Year and then, award, and then he did nothing. And then they fell off the cliff, yes. and they stayed off that cliff until this last run that they went on. Yes. Uh, the Vikings, if you are going to the game this weekend on Saturday, we'll come back and go over. There's a big, big change at U.S. Bank Stadium that I think makes Judd more upset than me, although I can get a little nostalgic in this regard, too. James Murphy on the board for us. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This could go on forever. What should I do? I could shave. I can clip my nails. Nah. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul on Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running. That's the twin. That's the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. They're, they're a good football team. You know, they went to the FC Championship game last year. So that part doesn't, you know, whoever they bring, they bring. And if they don't, they don't. We're just going to go out and try to uh, us improve. Uh, you know, their defense is, is very similar to a lot of defenses that we're going to face this year. So I think schematically, so I think that will be good. Um, especially for our offense. And then, you know, they're a downhill power running football team, basically, um, that'll be good for our defense. Mike Zimmer talking about football. There is a reminder being sent out here by the Vikings, just seeing this post in the Star Tribune, because this is the first home game at U.S. Bank Stadium, preseason or otherwise, since last year. And the Vikings are one of six teams moving to an exclusively electronic ticketing system. So if you're uh, going to the game on Saturday, don't bring a printout of a ticket. I don't even know how it works, if they're, if you can even print it out. But I know some people might think they're clearly not issuing paper or cardboard tickets anymore. But I know some people might think, oh, I'll print it out. You got to have your phone charged up, ready to go. Don't let it die when you're tailgating. That's my biggest fear. Is don't that, drop it in the toilet. Yeah, I would... Uh, my phone would die or something, and I'd bring a dead phone to the stadium and have to find a charger just to get into the game. But sure, it's happened. It's a pretty spill big a change on it. Yeah, that would be Judd. Just spill a seven point. You know how I could fix that? Beer. By by getting a waterproof phone. I don't think you <laughs> spill beer either. Next. I don't think you do that. I hope I don't. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, J- James Murphy. I know how to. I know how to keep a beer safe. Okay? Jed holds a memorial service every time a drop of beer. Spills I protect. Out. I protect and serve beer. But as someone, Judd, I don't mean to poke at you here, but you're not the most technologically savvy guy. Like it took no, you fair. still listen to music on your phone with YouTube because you don't know uh, how to download songs, love right? It. So how does this make you feel if you were and you're going to be credentialed? You're going to be part of the assembled credentialed media, so you won't have to worry. But yeah. But as a fan, if it gets to the point where you no longer are doing the paper ticket thing or the cardboard ticket thing and you have to 
yep. find an app on your phone or whatever it may be. Yep. How do you feel about this? Well, actually, you know what? Technology-wise, um, I don't mind it. I mean, I get it. So it doesn't... This is not a get-off-my-lawn thing to me. Do I prefer tickets? Absolutely. I get the shift. But here's what I feel bad for. I feel bad for kids because when I was a kid, a ticket stub was awesome. And and I grew up in around the time where you went from just a ticket stub, like, you know, today's game start time, price of ticket and in your seat, mm-hmm. to let's throw a player on there. Like, let's have a ticket stub that's got a player. Now, this was pre-just scanning it, so you, you didn't keep the whole ticket. But they would rip off the ticket, and on your portion that you got to keep was, like, a player's picture, your seat, and the price. Yeah, those mid '90s twins pictures were great. It was like Rich Becker's on my ticket yeah, stuff well, today. This is awesome. I, I had North Stars had that. Vikings had that, and it was really cool because I would keep them mm-hmm. and like stick them on posters and stuff. So, so the actual shift to wh- where we're going, I don't really care that much. Like it doesn't upset me. Uh, but it was really cool being a kid getting that ticket back, and and then. Now, as things have evolved within the past 10 years or so, I think we got to more and more where your ticket just got scanned. And so they they gave you back your whole ticket. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't feel bad for kids because it's something that they don't even think about. It's not you and I, you're a little bit different generation, but I do. I, I save all kinds of ticket stubs. In fact, I save almost every paper ticket stub for games that I go to, especially if it's a new stadium. Um, yeah, every time I get a new stadium crossed off, I try to save the ticket stub. So if that's going to go away at some point, for me, having grown up saving ticket stubs, I'm losing something and you're losing something. But yep. if you're if you're born in 2000 or 2003 and you're you know growing up as a sports fan, it's not like you're losing something. You never had it to begin with. What are and James, you're a little bit younger. You were uh, a 90s baby. So did you get into saving tickets at all as a sports fan? Um, I, I feel like it was done for me when I was really young, and okay. I remember doing it when, like, Metro. I remember keeping them after I would leave, like, a Metrodome game. Yep. But then, as I was, as I was getting to be like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I just never did that anymore. Yeah. And it was, I, it was probably I just didn't have enough interest to do it. But I remember as a kid, it was something that I definitely kept and like hung on to for a while. But yeah, as a as a young adult, it wasn't it wasn't something that I did. What? Not, I, what Max, did did you at your age? No, absolutely not. You never did. <laughs> I, I am all for efficiency. See, the kids don't Everybody's get got a smartphone. So Phil's so right. Let's roll through this. Okay, topic. let's ask Max this. Okay, because you are a sports fan, and yeah, you have a little bit of an old soul in some ways. Yeah. So <laughs> if you go somewhere, you go to a big. Let's just make up a crazy example. Like the Twins are in the World Series, for instance. Okay, yeah. and you go to. You go to a Twins World Series game. Would you save anything from that game as the youngest of our group? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What would you look to save? I don't know if a ticket would be the thing I'd save, but... Program? You, would you buy a program? Do you buy programs? I, I don't buy programs, no. But okay. I'm assuming there'd be like a, a Homer Hankey. I, I would keep that. Or Max would take a screenshot of the in-game <laughs> mobile app. <laughs> I mean, I saved everything. <laughs> I saved everything. I saved the Hankey. I saved the program. I saved the stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for like my dad. Like literally, just got a smartphone like a month ago. So and he had a flip phone before that. So I do feel bad for it because. I don't know. I mean, there's d- definitely not everybody has a smartphone out there. So how do they go to a Vikings game? I yeah, honestly, my dad would be screwed. I don't, my I dad don't would, know. My dad would never, and my dad wouldn't go to a football game anyways because he just want to deal with seventy thousand people. But like, my yeah. dad does not have a smartphone. My dad would not go. He would just not want to go. This would prevent him from going to a game. <laughs> if I had tickets on my phone, we both went. 
but he would just it would be a non-starter for him. What are some of the things that you guys have saved? The the five or ten things that you've saved because I've saved Eric Milton's no hitter stub. I still have that. I wrote even wrote almost twenty years ago now. I wrote no hitter on it so I would never forget. I remember coming home from that game and it was nineteen ninety nine, thinking, "Wow, I just saw no hitter. This is amazing." Definitely saving the ticket stub. And my and my next thought was, but if I save this and I'm looking back in ten or twenty years. And we would take calls on this too, 651-646-8255. Am I going to throw this away just looking at a random Angels-Twins game from a crappy 90-loss season? So I wrote in handwriting, no hitter in like, <laughs> you know, freshman in high school. On the ticket area. itself? Think, yeah. So you'd remember there was I, no hitter? I was at the Cal Ripken 3000 hit game, so I saved that ticket stub. And if you recall for that game, because I was there as well, they actually passed out a certificate. In which they, yeah, they did, yeah. In which they gave you a little space to paste your ticket stub, yeah, or tape it on. Mm-hmm. And I've still got that one. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey, Paul. Hi, I got a quick story for you. Uh, took my nephew to the seventh game of the ninety one series, and he took a picture of the scoreboard at the top of the tent. So it had goose eggs. He's got it framed with his ticket stub for probably the best pitching uh, I've ever seen in a baseball game. He lives out in California, and he's still got that sucker hanging in his office. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's stuff awesome. is cool. Paul, yeah. thank you. I'm kind of an artifact guy, too. Just I've scaled but I'm like Max a little bit in that I'm not going to be a pack rat about it anymore, but you know, I was at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia for the first time ever two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I saved the ticket stub because, yeah. well, I've, new stadium. I've got a basement full of of ticket stubs and stuff from the 70s into the early 80s and baseball cards. Mm-hmm. And I've still got, I, for the most part, have saved all, all my cards. Now, I quit collecting. I basically quit collecting. I got frustrated long, long ago when every company and their brother started to make baseball cards. Mm-hmm. But I was a big tops kid. Yeah. And so so I still have a ton of stuff because I, I am I know you're gonna be shocked by this a bit of a pack rat. <laughs> yeah, um really I, I have a ton of <laughs> stuff from the seventies and eighties still downstairs. Uh but certainly as I have grown older I've gotten worse and worse about keeping things. The only thing that I have kept now is I keep press passes from significant games. Yeah. So like I've got the I've got the 2009 NFC title game press pass. I've got last year's. I think I kept the uh, Saints Vikings playoff game from here, but I'm way more I throw way more away, but downstairs in my basement is basically all of my pack rat stuff. Baseball cards are going to be really hard to explain going forward, aren't they? Yeah, I was I was just going to mention that because I would I feel like I was part of the last generation. Maybe maybe people still do it, but I just don't like. I remember my parents were trying to get me into it, and I have a bunch of baseball cards. Yeah, but I just never really cared. Like, I, I never. I, I have them. I haven't thrown them away, but I, I never cared enough to go do it myself. I guess. And I, I guess I was born in the perfect era. So I was born in 1985. So as a kid, baseball cards were still huge. I'd go to Schinders. I have thousands of baseball cards in boxes. Some are on display in different display cases because they're. They're either signed or they're big rookie Barry Bonds rookie cards or whatever. So I understand how awesome baseball cards were for at least multiple generations. I can also see if you're Max's age or younger, how weird baseball cards are as a concept. So there's just pictures of baseball players on cardboard. 
<laughs> okay, I, like, but why? Oh, but going, <laughs> you know? but going to the local Tom Thumb when I was a kid on your bike to buy to buy packs of Tops cards was so glorious. It I just was went, so great. I just speaking of Tops, I just went to PSACard.com. I have a 1984, is it 1984, the Mark McGuire Olympic jersey rookie yeah. card? Yep. Where he's kneeling or whatever. He's got the USA jersey on. And at one point, when he was breaking Roger Maris's record before the steroid stuff went public, that was one of the most valuable cards you could own. And I was all proud because I owned it. But now what do you do with that card? I mean, he doesn't own the record anymore. His legacy is tarnished. You know what, it's not though? worth nearly what it was 20 yeah, years but ago. What you like, just, you but just what, have it forever? But what you just brought up to me was the decline and death of baseball cards with kids when we started to become very aware of their worth. Because that's not what it was ever meant for. Yeah. Like when we started to buy the Beckett book, hey, I just got this great card. What? What's the Re- Reggie Jackson worth? That's 75 cents. You didn't think about it at the time, but that's what started the destruction of what made it so great. Because when I started to buy baseball cards, I never thought about their price. I thought about, oh my God, I just got this star. I, I remember getting a Roy Smalley. I was thrilled. Summer of 79, all-star, twins best player on a crappy team, <laughs> or not a great team. And I remember getting a Roy Smalley and being like, oh, this is great, I got a Smalley. It's hilarious. 651-646-8255. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys, I just wanted to share, uh, a few years ago, my mother-in-law was cleaning out her house, and she found two ticket stubs from the Game 7 of the 1965 World Series. Nice. She passed them on to me. Wow. That's pretty cool. And see, that's the thing, right, Steve? Nice. If if you go back and you you look 30 40 years down the road it is cool to have artifacts from some meaningful sporting event right that you're proud of absolutely yeah uh let's go to troy you're on with Mackie and judd hey guys um as far as the ticket stuff's go, the part that i don't like is um the older people i have uh twin season tickets and they have to pay 50 extra bucks per ticket to have them printed off now, I think this is shutting out uh, older people. I'm 50 years old, not a tech guru, and I just think it's that. What do you guys think? So you have to pay extra? For the, they're trying to cover, I'm sure they're trying to cover printing costs, right? Okay. Yeah, I get it. I understand from a team perspective if almost everyone has a smartphone, and I, you can just, and not to mention, it's another way, I'm sure, to get people on the, onto your digital platform so you can get their contact information, and it's a way to get them into your database. If you, if I'm the Minnesota Twins, especially in the last few years, and you're willing to buy season tickets, and you come to me and say, Judd, I really want my tickets printed out, I'm not going to charge you a dime for it. I don't like that. Yeah, but you're, I think, I think, I don't know what printing costs are for, I'm sure if you're a team pulling in revenue, it's not, I don't know. I mean, we can and ask you Dave St. Peter. And I, that's a huge investment in not a great product. Oh, so I see. Yeah, I'm. Sa- I'm saying that if I have Ethel and Edna come to me and say, "We want our tickets," and could you please print them out, Dave St. Peter? I think Dave should say, "Absolutely." Here you go, Ethel and Edna. Or Ethel and Edna? Are they? Are they? What's their relationship? They're long time, long time friends. Started going to games in '61 as friends. '65 there for the whole kit and caboodle, and now they just want their tickets printed out. What happened to their? Did they have husbands? Or yeah, they died. Okay. Rob, you're on the show. Hey, I just wanted to call and uh, tell you about uh, a couple years ago when Minnesota Wild could actually take on the Blackhawks. We were at that game <laughs> six 
when we chase Crawford from the net and everybody's screaming, Crawford, yeah. Crawford, I still have the ticket and my the video of my son chanting with 18,000 people as Crawford <laughs> skates off the ice. It was awesome. Yes. That's great. So, you, so you're into saving ticket stubs or artifacts? I, I For key special things, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. Yep. I know there are some where I'll take a little, I'll take it. I have a ticket. Well, the, the Eric Milton one for sure. Uh, there's a couple others where I'll just put them in a, in like a baseball card holder or something or a casing mm-hmm. so that they don't mm-hmm. fade out. The ink doesn't fade out. So I'm kind of caught between. Do I totally you, understand why we're going digital, but yeah, there is something nostalgic. Do you know the hours that I spent putting baseball cards in sleeves <laughs> in their little holders? I would get my complete set. And then instead of sticking it in the box or just keep keeping it there, I would get all the sleeves out, right? Yeah. And one by one, put all the cards in. All of the cards went in sleeves? For a while. I mean, I quit doing this as I grew older, but there was a time when I put oh every card. Gosh. I've got complete sets. I've got a few complete sets, not a lot. But, you know, I was like nine years old, ten years yeah. old, where I'd just sit at my little desk in my room and put them all in the sleeves. Well, yeah. God forbid your Roy Smalley got damaged. You, exactly. I, I get why you did sure. it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, the difference, I think these are... Values. This is this is the PSA. PSA does the card valuations. Oh, here. Oh, it's the 1985 Topps Mark McGuire. This is an eBay ad. Good good uh, placement by eBay here on okay. this page. All right. There's a current bid with 30 minutes left. It's that 1984 USA Baseball team. Uh, PSA nine, and it's going for like nine bucks. It used to be worth like two hundred dollars. See, that's the problem. Oh, it should, it should, the price shouldn't matter to you. It's the value to you personally. Yeah, no, all about the money. All about. The Don't money. go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mac- Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On fifteen hundred. ESPN. Mackie and Judd can open up phone lines for this last segment. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Brad, you're on the show. Hey, guys. What's up, Brad? What's happening? Hey, I, just a thought for, like, the times of the games. You know, like, the Saturday night games, they start them at 6. How come they don't do that, like, the midweek series? You know, like, the second game of the series, they start them an hour earlier. The reason why... The almighty television, sir. That's why yeah. Fox Sports I, Fox Sports North pays enough that they that they dictate that they want that game to start around seven. Because keep in mind, the uh, baseball's too long, but the audience actually builds, and so so around nine o'clock or so. If you start at six, it's going to end before they w- want it to. So the ideal, I think, is start around seven, end around ten o'clock if they can. Yeah, you know, because just, you know, thought, like, I start work early. I start, like, 4 or 5 in the morning, so it's like. I, I'm with you. So Totally with you. Right. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I'd love to see game start at 6. Yeah. But so, it's never going to happen. So that's just the prime window for primetime yeah. viewing, right? They yes. just get the most audience. Yeah, and if, if you look at the quarter hour research, I think what you see is it builds. It does build. And so your your best chance to have an audience, I think, is probably around 930 or so. Yeah. You're now, trying to get people settled in after work. Saturdays, they know. Uh, TV now, Saturdays, no one watches. So it's almost like a punting night. Like mm-hmm. like you just sort of punt. Um, but Monday through Friday, you're, you're trying to give yourself the best possible mm-hmm. chance to get the, the best cue possible. Yeah. And on TV, the things that really generate the most ratings are live sporting events. 
because mm-hmm. almost everything else, it's not that the primetime show on ABC is generating, even though it might be lower ratings now compared to 10 or 20 years ago, it might still be generating the same number, if not more eyeballs. And I don't have the data, but because people watch on demand. Right. I mean, like I almost never watch stuff live now. It's always just binging on demand Dawn, on the Dawn weekends or late at night. There is no, there is but no sports you watch live. She watches a ton of TV. I, I don't think I can tell you one show that my wife watches live mm-hmm. now. Everything is on demand, and most commercials are fast forwarded through. Except for maybe the, bachelor, the bachelor, Bachelorette, just because, you know, you don't want spoilers to pop up the next day on Twitter and ruin your experience, but maybe that's just me. 651 646 8255. Unfortunately, it's not. Aaron, you're on the show. Hi. Hello. What's up, man? Hi, uh, I actually uh, been listening to you guys for several years. It was the first time I've ever called. Uh, oh, thanks for thanks for calling in. Cool. Yeah, no problem. So I have a program somewhere in my closet from the Vikings Cardinal game where the Vikings lost last second. Sure. Wow. From yeah. Arizona. Oh, you went to Arizona for that game? No, I'm uh, I'm from Arizona. Oh, okay. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, hey, I don't cool. live there anymore now, but yeah, that was uh, devastating. Uh, <laughs> we the uh, purple jerseys at that game probably four to one the Cardinals and we were all high fiving and celebrating and it was uh, I was actually in the end zone seats uh, had a like second row view to watch that happen that was crazy yeah see I would think that that's the, you said you saved that ticket stub as a Vikings fan yeah, I've got the program oh. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're relegated to as Vikings people around here. Yeah. Like you, you, you do save things, but it's always from catastrophic program, defeats. Program right? from the '98 <laughs> NFC title game. Program from the 2009 title game. Program from last year's title game. Yeah, it's, it's like Friday the 13th when you walk in and it's just a shrine, you know, of <laughs> crossbones oh, <yeah>. and skulls. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Aaron, thanks for thanks calling, for man. Call. Appreciate you listening. No problem. Thank you. Sun Devil Stadium, what a hellhole that was. Too. Yeah, that's before they built the new one. I covered I covered mm. a Packers-Cardinals game there in 2003, and Emmett Smith was, oh, was yeah. with the Cardinals. Totally, I mean, it was pathetic watching him. But the stadium was built in a at a in a weird way. So, long story short, the sun the sun came right into the press box, like you couldn't see. Was that okay? So they shared a stadium with Arizona State. Yes, in is it the same stadium that exists now for Arizona State? I believe it is. That's yeah. the stadium that and the I think Cardinals there's a ball game played there. In fact, I, that is that not the game that Glenn Mason coaches last sun, game in the Sun Bowl, the Sun Bowl or the Insight Bowl? Yeah, the Texas Tech but game. That, that was no, that was the new stadium, wasn't it? Was I feel it? Like that was the new stadium. I'm not sure. I'm not positive about that. Hmm. But that stadium was just. We're it, talking about the game where he got beat, where even they came, though they were up like thirty. Where Mike Leach came, three. Yeah. came back. Yeah, I think that was in Tampa. Man, but that stadium was just a pile. That of would garbage. never fly now. I know that you've got Los Angeles teams temporarily playing in college stadiums, but the Cardinals play. The Cardinals moved. They moved there to Phoenix in the eighties, right? Eighty nine ish, yeah. So oh they yeah, played they played in that stadium for fifteen that, years. That was not a temporary stadium for them. Oh my that God. was that was their home. That's a completely different era of the NFL, right? The NFL would never allow that move to happen without a brand new strong arm the public stadium. Oh, of course they public would. Public pays a the billion Raiders, dollars. When when Al Davis hijacked the Raiders to Los Angeles, they moved to the Coliseum because yeah. the Rams had moved out of the Coliseum, which wasn't is dilapidated. The Rams had moved to where the Angels play in Anaheim, opening the way for Davis to go against the league and move from Oakland in that pile of a bleep stadium to the Coliseum. Nobody was going to new stadiums uh, except for maybe the, when the Colts went from Baltimore to Indianapolis. I think the Dome was relatively new at yeah. that point. You know what the A should do? 
when the A's are on the brink, it's the the A's are up three games to one in the World Series. All right, let's flash forward to Smooth. October. Smooth? No. Strike. Not you know, like like literally refuse to play until we won't we won't finish off this World Series victory. Go to San Jose. You agree? Find a stadium in San Jose and play you, the game. You agree to give us a new stadium, Mackie and Judd. Back tomorrow, Doogie's going to hang out for a large chunk of the show tomorrow. You can find us on demand, Mackie and Judd Show page, 1500ESPN.com. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.